Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. People fundamentally don't understand how much effort it takes to put together a news story. That it takes at least, even the shortest brief takes someone doing I mean, work. the problem is blogs, I think. Like, a lot of it is blogs, because people think it's so easy. We like, waited through It's an like era. you can put it together in, yeah. in like, like, 30 minutes. Exactly, exactly. It's all real. Exactly. We just the last few years since you guys were in college, we had what Spotlight and the Post come out that kind of show you how you make this sausage stuff. Do you think there's an appetite for that? Like, do people want to know how we do our job? Welcome to Right Lane, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. Each week, Times reporter Lane DeGregory discusses her stories and answers your questions. The focus is on craft. My name is Maria Carrillo, and I'm the Enterprise Editor at The Times. On today's episode, we've invited four of our summer interns to join us. Today's topic, the future of journalism. So, Lane, this was your idea to haul these guys in front of the microphone. What were you thinking? I was just thinking uh, these young people still want to be in this crazy industry that everyone says is doomed, and so they must have some hope and ideas for our future. So I thought we'd bring in four of our interns to talk about the future. And Lane loves hope. (laughs) And I love interns. (laughs) So let's start by having you guys each introduce yourselves, say who you are, where you're from, and what you've been doing this summer. My name's McKenna Oxenden, and I'm from Baltimore, Maryland, and I I just graduated from Marquette University in Milwaukee, Wisconsin in the summer. I've been working in Clearwater, um, kind of doing anything and everything that I get asked to do or things that I come up with, which is everything from rip currents to uh, dead tortoises. Uh, my name is Justin Trombley. I uh, work in the St. Pete main office. I'm doing breaking news, uh, features, general daily stuff, uh, really anything they ask me to, like same thing McKenna does in Clearwater. Uh, I'm originally from way upstate New York, about five minutes from the Canadian border and five minutes from the Vermont border. It's very small and rural. Um, and I went, I just graduated from the University of Rochester, which is in Western upstate New York, and now I'm here. I'm Justin Sidekick, covering general news in St. Pete. Um, I'm originally from Tegucigalpa, Honduras. It's a small country in Central America, and I just graduated from the University of Florida. And your name? And my name is is Jimena Tavell. Okay, because her parents are going to be unhappy. And I'm Jack Evans. I grew up in Knoxville, Tennessee, and then did a four-year detour at Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana. Uh, And I have been working this summer in uh, mostly Pasco County, also Hernando County some, uh, covering breaking news and a hodgepodge of all matter of other stuff. All right. So your parents probably asked you guys this question, but so why go into journalism? Honestly, it was a step up for them compared to riding horses professionally for the rest of my life. So I think they were pretty happy when I committed to going to school for four years with at least somewhat of a career path. Degree. (laughs) 
Come on, it's not over. like a quiz. You're, you graduated already. <laughs> it's not a test. Yeah. What is it about I mean, this uh, business? I don't know. Um, my parents never asked me. They just kind of went along with whatever I was doing. Um, but when I was in like fourth grade, I I was first interested in it, and I have no idea why. I tried to make this thing called the Daily Locker, and it came out once, so it wasn't really much of a daily. And it was also a magazine, like an, an MS Word and Paint. It was pretty elaborate. But, you know, we were nine years old, so nothing ever came of that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I just really like learning about people and, and writing about them and helping tell their stories, and this is a good medium to do that. Uh, I don't know if it's exactly dying. I mean, print papers are dying, but you know, there's always going to be a place for this type of writing, and it's not something you can really automate. So, um, For me, it was actually my dad's idea. Um, I knew I was coming to the United States to study, and I liked reading and writing, and that's what I wanted to do. Um, so he kind of tried to find a career for me and said, I think you should try journalism. You'll like it. Um, I didn't know what a lead was or AP style or even how journalism worked because it's not a big field in Honduras. Um, but once I got here, I I guess I fell in love with, with doing it. Yeah, and uh, for me, like I always liked to write and knew it was something that I was, if not naturally good at, naturally better than I was at most other things. Um, and then I took... A, on a whim, a journalism class my freshman year of high school and, and really loved it and uh, thought for a few years that I wanted to be a music critic and then uh, went to college and got really burned out on that and discovered a lot of other kinds of writing I love and uh, pretty much fully committed to it from there. So what, what encourages you guys about the future? Because we spend, I think, probably too much time navel-gazing about different things and, and journalism isn't dying it's transforming but so what what has leaving you feel encouraged and maybe it's something from this summer I mean I don't know stories you've done or how how empowered are you guys feeling right now I mean if I can start one thing is like not even stories I've done but like the other people in this room and and the other interns at the times have been really incredible this summer and uh have have really nailed some big stories um and it, that's been really cool to watch and for me like the one of the things that keeps me going is just like always watching my friends do really good work and and there's so much beyond that but like there are so many young writers who I think are just absolutely killing it right now um and who bring a lot of different and fresh perspectives to the news uh and I I think that's really cool I think um it would be sort of feedback from readers for me um, in college and e like before all my internships, it wasn't always a solid sounding board. Um, I mean, sometimes I wrote stories and got two page views. And here, it's sometimes it's negative. Most of the time, it's negative. People complaining about stories. Um, but sometimes you get those emails about people thanking you for writing them. And I mean, it's really it's the highlight of your month when you when you get someone just thanking you for writing about an issue that you thought no one cared about or, you know, just thanking you for for working out late and they know it's a hard a hard job and they appreciate it. So I think that's what keeps me going. Yeah. On um, a similar note, even when people write you kind of negative or or hate mail, whatever, I mean, they still read. Mm -hmm. They still read what you wrote. I mean, that's kind of encouraging. If we weren't putting out what we what we had, then what would they rage about, you know? 
Um, <laughs> but you know, I've I've also I, I've gotten emails or, or tweets or whatever from people who who have thanked me for, for doing a story or covering something, or or writing about a family member and treating it sensitively or something like that, doing them justice. So those little things that come in among the sea of, you know, <laughs> fun comments on social media, um, those those are a good boost. Uh, I mean, you also just speaking on the the young reporters thing that Jack was talking about, you look around this newsroom in particular, um, and and just not just the interns, but a lot of the staffers are in their 20s. Like these are this is a fairly young newsroom, um, at, at least compared to the ones I <laughs> except I was for in. Lane and I. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm with you though, man. Yeah, it's it's almost like it's jarring almost because like the the past newsrooms I'm in, which are all they're they're fine places, you know, and the people are good and they do good work, um, but they're all old, much older than me or have been, so it's kind of been refreshing being here to be around people who, you know, maybe are only five years older than me who kind of get where I'm coming from and where where the rest of us are coming from, um, and they offer it's kind of like a new injection of blood. So so saying that or looking at and looking at this and seeing that there's so many young people involved in it, that's encouraging. But also, you know, the haters. So, <laughs> I always tell people, you know, when they're when they are so surprised that like I'm going into this field because it's they they think it's dying, and I'm like, well, it, don't you want to know what happened yesterday? Don't you want to know what happened today? Well, I mean, yeah, I guess it's you know we're always going to need news, whatever format it is, and yes, it's changing, um, but you're always going to need to know what's happening. People are always going to be held accountable because no matter how much you wish people would be honorable human beings, they're not. Um, They need to be held accountable. And we are the ones that do that. And I think that's really, really awesome. You know, whether we're writing breaking news or, you know, dealing with whatever Trump tweeted out or dealing with, you know, a tortoise that got run over, it's we're writing we're writing history um and i think that's always what keeps me going is that it's it is you know people are doing incredible things around you no matter what's happening um and it is it is a changing field and we're going to be the ones that help and pave that and even though i think our our schools have equipped us quite well um you know between how to target your social media and how to deal with multimedia and and think in those different storytelling um ideas is that you know the path is unknown but we're all going to kind of figure it out and we're going to figure it out together because we have to um is is cool it's i don't think of going into journalism as a scary time honestly i think of it as a really really exciting time because it's all it's uncharted territory you guys are all um, about the same age as our children. <laughs> Speaking of not so young in newsroom, no, but um, we, Maria and I grew up in, in an era where there was a newspaper in every driveway, and everybody, part of the routine that you did when you woke up in the morning was read your paper, or my parents, before I could even read, would read the paper to me. How have you guys, did you guys grow up reading a newspaper? And how did your news consumption habits change in the past I don't know, 10 years since you became consumers of information and decided maybe I want to do this for a living? Uh, for me, I mean, both my parents were were avid readers and news watchers and still are. Um, but 
I definitely didn't spend a ton of time with a physical newspaper as a kid, but I did. My parents subscribed to Sports Illustrated and Time um, and a lot of magazines, and I definitely grew up reading those, but kind of without realizing what I was reading, if that makes sense. Like, I knew these were real stories and I knew they were being written by someone, but I didn't think of them um, in the same sense as like newspaper journalism, which I now know they're a lot closer than probably most people realize. Uh, but, but definitely that as a kid. And then, um, I think probably all of us, uh, we're all internet natives, I guess some people would call us and, uh, definitely discovering stuff online from a pretty early age. Like, I feel like I started using the internet every day at like the age of 11 or 12, probably. Um, and, uh, within, you know, two or three years of that had settled on my first batch of like websites that I regularly visited to read the articles. And, and even then it was a lot of like pop culture stuff and not necessarily news. Um, but that sort of pointed the direction for the evolution of my reading habits, if that makes sense. Yeah. Growing up, like it was always really exciting to like run out to the driveway and grab the Baltimore sun before I went to school. Like that was always like my job. Um, and you know, I mean, we got the sun, we got the wall street journal, we got the Washington post and, I honestly, like, I really think the only one I would read would be our, like, our local Baltimore Sun section, and I'd only flip to see the sports because, like, I wanted to see if my friends were in the paper, um, and I didn't consume that much news, especially compared to what I, what I do now, and I'm honestly counting down the days until, like, I have a physical address for more than three months that I can finally get a paper to my doorstep, um, because it drives me nuts because you only stay in one location, like every nine months in college and um just just not always fun um but yeah I mean so much of it's online and and Twitter I find a lot of stuff on Twitter and follow a lot of really cool journalists that um I don't think I ever kind of would have thought to have had access to or you kind of get a lot of cool uh, like this is how I reported it read this thread or you get kind of more anecdotes um so I think social media has helped a lot in that sense and maybe checking out websites or reading local stuff that you wouldn't usually read because, you know, I might not think to go to the local Alabama newspaper, but then I happen to see it pop up on, you know, social media and you get to read a lot of cool stuff that way. Um, thinking back, I have, I have kind of a weird like trajectory in my news consumption. So, I mean, I got the local paper. And it wasn't anything particularly big. You know, it's, it's called the Plattsburgh Press Republican, small circulation. Say um, that again? The Plattsburgh Press Republican. Okay. I don't know. If daily? It's, yeah, it's yeah. daily. I mean, okay. it covers these three counties in, in far upstate New York. Um, yeah, you're telling me you were almost to Canada. Like, you are. Like five minutes. Five minutes to Canada. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, like, like, growing up, I was never, like, uh, like immersed in the newspaper. Like, I, my parents weren't reading it to me. I mean, we got it, you know. Um, it was there. They might check it out um, and then throw it away at the end of the day. I wasn't reading a lot of news. I was reading a lot of books. I think that helped me in the end, though. Jimena, what were you? So, what were you growing up reading? Um, same. I read a lot of books. Um, my parents subscribed to the local Spanish newspapers, of course, and they read them. Um, they were always on the dining table. I never picked them up. Um, they subscribe. <laughs> Here's the future of journalism. <laughs> they subscribe to magazines in English because they wanted us to practice the language. I only looked through like 17 and like at the outfits or you know stuff like that. I didn't really like pay attention at, to that. Um, 
I don't know. I don't think I read a lot of news. I mean, I, I didn't realize it was like a thing you should be paying attention to until I got here to the United States and I wanted to know what was happening in my country back home. And, you know, I wanted to be able to tell them what was happening in my own community. Um, and that's when I realized I'm probably the only person in, in my environment that didn't really consume news because all my brothers do um, and all my family and my my friends and stuff. And, and it was just sort of like not really immersing myself into, oh, um, like this whole new world exists. It was sort of like this whole new world has always been around and I just wasn't paying attention. Um, but it was it, it was really good. I mean, I got to now I talk to my friends and, and brothers and, and stuff a lot about like, oh, how do you consume your news? And I know my brother only clicks on stuff if they have videos and, you know, and that kind of input helps you. Um, <laughs> that kind of input helps you, you know, wh- when you're on the field talking about your own craft. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. With other people and how the public views it has helped me a lot. Um, and obviously, I definitely read a lot of news nowadays. You want to talk about what interns, how that shaped you, your internships? Well, I mean, I I knew what I wanted to do forever and ever, so I did like five internships, like all from high school up through college and grad school, and and I think the opportunities I was given there are not exactly the same as you guys are getting now. I feel like we got more instruction. We got more like we had to write an obit a day before we could write a story. We had to write an obit for someone who hadn't died yet. So they would like bank up all these obits at the Charlotte Observer. So like before you could go cover the dead tortoise on the side of the ridge, you had to find somebody who might die soon and then write an obit. About so I, mean, I feel like I got really good at doing those really, really fast. But I, I feel like we, maybe because we need you guys more than we did back in the day, that you guys are doing a lot more of the like hard hitting real news front page breaking things stories right, than right. than we yeah. did at, at at your age yeah. you know and, and and I'm always surprised and excited about how great they are you know I mean we've got a high high quality of interns here every year and every year it seems like we get more and we get them better and it's just you guys know you're filling a big giant hole for us too which is pretty exciting yeah internships back in the day were not um I typed a lot of school lunch menus as I recall yeah went for coffee a little bit yeah yeah um, all right, so what do you, when you guys look ahead, what do you aspire to do as journalists? I mean, aside from right wrongs, and are there, do you see a path for yourself? And do you like, I, I know nobody likes the five year, 10 year question, but when you look down the road, I mean, what, what kind of work do you want to be doing? And, and maybe speak a little to the opportunities that you guys think are out on the horizon that we might not even have tapped into yet. Like, I'd love for you guys to talk about how you want or need this industry to morph to keep up with what you want to do? Oh, that's a loaded question. <laughs> God, it's like making me think. I can barely think past how I got up out of bed this morning. Um, now we're talking about the future. Um, I mean, I, I would love to, you know, do a sort of combination of investigative, enterprise sort of things. You know, I, I love digging things up on people and, and finding out what's 
wrong in the world and like really just doing a deep dive but I also love having to get that personal connection with people and getting to share those details that you know I had a really great teacher um, in high school that taught me a really great appreciation for what description can do and that's something that I you know aim to put in my writing and I would love to kind of keep evolving over time but um, so you know I don't know I've some some sort of thing like that and I would love to you know keep keep getting involved with multimedia because I think that I mean that's something that's a really interest of mine of photo and video I've been doing it since I was a sophomore in high school um and I think newsrooms need to just keep thinking more um more of that style I think that's what's kind of in our future in, in school and with my student media organization at Marquette you know we we got pushed to really think of you know how can you best tell this story okay we can tell it best you know this angle with the words but the video can do this and like why don't we add a few sound bites of you know this person talking about how traumatic this event was um and then you kind of have something for everybody and it's so you know I, I think newsrooms are starting to do an even better job of incorporating you know all of these different elements within stories um but you know they can they can still do better, um, and a big part of that is also having the resources to be able to do that because you know it doesn't it doesn't always do good to have crappy video um, you know from an iPhone. It has its time and place, but like you can't always just send a reporter out on an assignment. You know it's great that all of us sitting in this room know how to do it, but you know sending us out to do a you know a daily to just do everything on an iPhone isn't always going to cut the mustard. So I think kind of the next shift is for newsrooms to, you know, figure out how to sort through this really amazing talent that's entering newsrooms that is in newsrooms um, of people that are very versatile with skills, um, but how to put the quality in kind of all aspects of that. Um, I'm not sure what I want to do. Um, in the next five years, addressing that part of your question, I would like to get as much experience as possible, like writing cops and courts and education and government and everything that's thrown my way. Um, but in the middle of all that, I'd like to focus more on educating people on, about journalism. I think people forget, like, news literacy is so, so lacking in this country. And I mean, people barely know how we do our jobs, and that's not okay. It's not okay to go out there and explain to someone, like, you can talk to me on the record, and this means that millions of people will be able to read what you say. Um, I mean, it's it's not okay that people don't know how, how journalism works, and I think we should all focus on doing that, first of all, so that people get accustomed about what our, our goal is and know that we're working um, for for all of us, for democracy and, and to make a better society and to help others. Um, so yeah, work hard and try to tell people about journalism. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, uh, what happens in, in, the, in the sort of meat of those next five or 10 years is we'll have to see what happens. And it, it might be like a lot of that cops and court stuff and, and beat reporting. And like, I'm really excited to do some of that because I feel like that's where you learn to really cut your teeth and um, how to build sources and all that fun stuff. But the ultimate goal for me is, and kind of has always been since I started college, um, doing like the long form narrative stuff. Um, that's, I mean, that's what really gets me journalistically is um, being able to tell a story that has arc and, and characters and um, 
theme and and uh where you can flex some sort of literary muscle i guess um not to say that i have that muscle yet but i'm trying um and you know i think journalism as a whole is like pretty much always an exercise in empathy uh but especially when you have a lot of room to tell someone's story i think that becomes an exercise not just for you but for the reader also and i think it's a really amazing and special thing to be able to build some sort of a connection between two people who have never met and maybe live you know half a mile away from each other or maybe live you know 1500 miles away from each other um but who can find even if they have nothing in common some commonality of the human experience uh not to get too too up in the atmosphere with it um but that to me is like i don't know storytelling has always been the thing for me and and that's what makes it really beautiful i think i don't know where i'll be in five years or what i'll be doing because i can't know um i'd like to think i'd be at a paper like this doing work like this um, <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> I really like writing about people who, who you don't hear from a lot. Um, and it doesn't have to be like, like, all, like there's, there's like tropes of people you don't hear from. Like, I don't know. I can't think of any right now, but like there's common articles you always see. Everyone Lane has ever written about. Yeah. Those, those people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, not all of them have to be like cliche um they can just be neighbors like some might no 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 no, no not, not he you. doesn't mean lane is I'm, writing no, about I'm, cliche. I'm, I'm commenting on i'm continuing my thought <laughs> uh some of my favorite articles are just like neighborhood disputes like there's this one story um or disputes between neighbors not necessarily whole community like there's this one story i did a while ago about a guy who was suing somebody who lived near him to get a kitten back that he had gifted her uh and it's this very complicated tale and it deals with like death and the comfort of pets and old age and gift giving laws and all this other like ridiculous stuff high drama for a thing between neighbors um but it's the type of story like that where you you find something in the ordinary that can speak to people who who are outside of that experience who are in the community or who are not in the community just things that we all feel know and react to uh you can connect people connect to people with um so i like doing stories like that uh and not all of those are long form or narrative or enterprise but um a lot of them are and those are those are cool too um i think the other half of the work i i want to do and i've tried to do is in-depth work which is not necessarily investigative or anything like that but um like a story i'm working on right now uh it's about domestic homicide uh, in this area um and kind of statewide but it focuses on these these two local cases uh and there are four people they're both murder suicides terrible stuff um but there's so much to dig into there that speaks to this bigger issue um and you can really in these these little vignettes of people's lives mine something that speaks to something broader and something that people can learn from and hopefully help uh, their own lives from. So, I mean, that's the type of work I like to do. Um, the other half of the question, <laughs> um, could you, could you just remind me? It's about mediums and, and like where you want to see this stuff go, right? Well, actually, that was going to be my last question for all you guys, so that's a great segue okay. there. I w- if we got a new editor today at the Tampa Bay Times, and, um, 
I was wondering if you guys each had a minute with him to give one bullet point of what you think we should do differently to save this newspaper. What would that be? Uh, <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> I think we gotta we've gotta look at our digital stuff. I mean, um, this isn't. I'm not ragging. I'm not ragging on the times. You can rag. Uh, we're okay. gonna fix it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, I get pu- you know push notifications from our app, and I click on them, and they and the app breaks <laughs> just immediately um, every time. I don't know what's going on. Uh, so, and it, like I don't know. I don't know how many people use our apps. I've never found newspaper apps to be particularly worthy investment anyway because like at least people my age or people i know like they're not going to go to the the tampa bay times app to find our articles they're going to go to our website or they're going to click on our articles from a link on facebook or twitter or something um but you know that's a side of our game i think we can step up um something really i i've been thinking about is i've been thinking about videos and not necessarily like the videos we're already pursuing but just videos in general and they're not even newsy necessarily like you you look on youtube there's so many people who are growing these massive followings you know doing whatever um it's almost like it's it's like what tv was back whenever um and a lot of them are just doing commentary on different things but then you get news organizations or newsier organizations delving into this stuff like there's this thing i saw from uh buzzfeed unsolved the other day <laughs> other day and buzzfeed unsolved does these very entertaining, like, uh, murder mystery conspiracy <laughs> theory videos, which are just, you know, it's nothing serious or, or it's nothing heavy, you know, you can just enjoy it. But the thing that I saw was um, from one of their investigative editors, and they interviewed this guy, this former, uh, like, cartel hitman or something in prison who had said he'd killed, like, 30 people or something. And they filmed it, and it was like a Q&A style thing, like all edited together. It was just fascinating. For like 13 minutes, I was just watching this. So I think there's stuff that we can do in in those realms that would be cool. Um, I think a big thing will have to come from revamping our website. I know we're doing that as well. Um, and I think ARC, the platform we're moving toward, uh, will be a good stepping stone for that. Yeah. Okay, anybody else have a one? What did you say? One bit of advice? One bullet, <laughs> one bullet point. Um, I, I would say we touched on this a little bit earlier, but like we need to figure out how to get people that are reading us to understand what the hell we do. Um, people people don't understand what we do, and they and they get mad and they get angry. Um, you know, they want things free, so you know, you know, you need to be careful about a paywall, but we also need to be profitable, and so it's figuring out how to strike that balance of making money and making everything accessible to the community because you want people to be educated and you want people to read what you're doing. Um, but you also need to, we, you know, we need to keep the paper running. Um, and so it's, you know, continuing to show the community that we're not the enemy of the people, um, especially when, you know, we, we have the president of the United States that kind of keeps combating that narrative to people. And I'm, I'm not sure exactly what the answer is, um, but I think that's something that definitely needs to be worked on is is how to get people to understand that, like, we get up every morning and go and, you know, put our pants on one leg, just, you know, one leg at a time, just like you guys do. I think people everywhere, not just in this geographic area, have gone so long now, you know, post-internet explosion, thinking that they can and should be able to get all their news for free. Um, and that tide is shifting a little bit, I think, 
but we still have to figure out how to get people and especially people who are like our age and have never had who have never subscribed to a newspaper before right um like even if your parents subscribed to a physical newspaper if you're 25 or younger unless you are really into the news you've probably never subscribed to a newspaper and figuring out how to make people understand that what we do is inherently indispensable to them and that our labor has value and that they should pay for that i think is the next step um and and there's a way to do that i know because just about everyone i know pays 10 bucks a month to use spotify you know and if if they can do that we should be able to do something similar um and i wish i had the answer for how to do that but there is a way to convince um the the millennial generation and the people after that that they should pay for news and that's out there i just don't know where it is i just say um i think you should spend a lot of money on our website and a lot of money telling people that we revamped our website there you go got some marketing heads here (laughs) (laughs) i'd also add to keep bringing young people in for internships because it's awesome and the times has been great this summer and we love having you guys so for all of you guys out there um if we don't hire these guys, you should. Um, and uh, if you have a question for Lane or about any of her stories and would like to suggest a podcast topic, please email it to writelane at tampabay.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-L-A-N-E at tampabay.com. And join us next week on Wednesday morning for the next episode. This podcast was produced by Denise Keenan. Music was composed and performed by Dan DeGregory. Thanks for joining us. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.